Hey guys, my name is Emma Mack, and you are listening to the Getting to Know God podcast. Most of you guys don't know me. I am 25 years old, and I live in Texas. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a speaker. This is just from my personal study and what I've learned. I just want to strengthen my relationship with God and lead others to do the same. So that's where I'm at, and hopefully you'll take this ride with me. So happy Memorial Day to those who are listening on the day this podcast comes out, and to those that are listening on other days, happy whatever day it is. So the structure is going to be a little bit different than the last two, mainly because we're doing two chapters in one episode. So we're doing chapters three and four, and so I'm going to read chapter three, talk about chapter three, read chapter four, talk about chapter four. So let's just get into it. So this is James chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, Prove it by living an honorable life and do good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Some things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So starting at the top, the first two verses were like a little bit painful. To me personally, let me read those verses again. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every other way. And this one is just saying that people who are in leadership are going to be judged more harshly, but we're all human. And personally, I'm not sure if this verse is trying to tell us that we need to judge them less or if it's warning people who are going to go into leadership 
that they will be judged more harshly for their actions and that they need to be a little bit more careful. I've also pulled out my study Bible because I'm going to see if that says anything into this verse as well. Okay, I did find some study notes, so I'm just going to read those. Teaching was a highly valued and respected profession in Jewish culture, and many Jews who embraced Christianity wanted to become teachers. James warned about the aspirations to teach because teachers have great responsibility. Their words and example affect others' spiritual lives. If you are in a teaching or leadership role, how are you affecting those you teach and lead? So that basically sums it up for us that this verse is directed towards teachers and those in leadership and how important it is to live by example because we are influencing others' lives. I am totally speaking to myself because of this platform that I now have that I want to do my best to live by example. So the next couple of verses, three through six, that talk about the large horse is controlled by a small bit and then the ship is controlled by the rudder and how a spark can set off a forest fire and all of those examples that we can compare our tongue to the bit or the rudder or the tiny spark and our body to the horse, the ship, or the forest fire. Basically saying that our tongue will lead the way we live and that it can set our whole life on fire. So verses seven through nine talk about how we can tame all kinds of animals, but no one can tame the tongue, that it's restless and evil and full of deadly poison, and that sometimes it praises God and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And the thing that just came to my mind while I was studying is jealousy. And so not only do you praise God, but you can sin with the same mouth. So this made me think of that saying that it's like when somebody cusses and somebody else is like, do you kiss your mama with that mouth? I just thought that was hysterical. But in all seriousness, jealousy is like a big issue. Well, for me personally. I don't want to speak for anybody else, just me. And that a lot of the times if I have like a negative feeling towards another person or if I don't like them, usually the base of that is just jealousy. So the next set that I marked was 11 and 12. That talks about a spring of water that produces both fresh water and salt water. And then a fig tree producing olives and a grapevine producing figs. And to me, I thought about, you know, somebody that you wouldn't trust because they're two-faced like they are so nice to your face but then they talk bad about you to somebody else that you wouldn't trust them to tell them something personal and not tell somebody else I guess but to also make sure that you're not the one who's two-faced that you produce only fresh water and not fresh water and salty water so I have a cross reference for this one and that is Matthew seven sixteen. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I'm going to read on because I think that 17 is good too. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. That scripture was good. So like in the last episode, we talked about our faith being backed up by actions. 
So that scripture, wow. All I can think of right now in my head is actions speak louder than words. Another thing my mom always told me when I was little is that if you have to tell somebody that you're honest, you're probably not honest. Meaning that you should let your actions speak for themselves because if you have to tell somebody that then your actions really aren't showing that you're honest. And I feel like that fits right in. So the next set of verses, well, actually just the next verse is 13. And that says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with a humility that comes from wisdom. So that ties in with chapter two, verses 14 through 18. And I'm just going to read that real fast. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And so verse 13 in chapter 3 kind of talks about how salvation doesn't come from works, but works come from faith. And that if you know God's word and know the law, that good actions will come from that. So we're going to skip over 14, but verse 15 through 16 says, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. And that, I feel like, is just super important because it basically just says that jealousy and selfishness is full of evil and dysfunction. And as someone who struggles with a little bit of jealousy, I think it's important to know that that is something I really need to work on in my life personally. And that because the Bible talks about it, it means that it's normal. It's a normal human emotion, but it's something that I need to work on. So verse 17 and 18 says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I enjoy this section because it reminds us that godly wisdom is pure, peaceful, gentle, yielding, sincere, and shows no favor. But it also talks about that you plant seeds that are like you. Your harvest is a representation of who you are. So if you're a peacemaker, you will plant seeds of peace. If you are jealous, you will plant seeds of jealousy. If you're dishonest, you'll plant seeds of dishonesty. Are you catching the pattern here? And there's been a lot of talk, at least in my Christian circle, that there's a vision of harvest coming. And we have to remember that the harvest is going to be a reflection of who we are. So like it talked about in the first verse of setting an example, if you're in leadership or a teacher, you also need to set an example for your harvest. Okay, so now we're going to move on to chapter four. So this is James chapter four. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? 
Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate and that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, then not do it. So the first section of verses is 2 and 3. And that says, You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And this shows just how important heart posture and intention is when you're praying and asking for things. If your intentions aren't good, then you may not get what you're asking for. There's a section of scripture. It's the end of verse 4. And it says, If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And to me that says that becoming like the world brings you farther from God. You can make an example of anything, whether it be just accepting what is socially normal now and socially acceptable versus what the Bible says. So verse 7 and 8 talk about humbling ourselves before God, resisting the devil, and that he will flee from you, and that the closer you get to God, the closer he will come to you, and to wash your hands, purify your hearts, because our loyalty is divided between God and the world. I guess really just verse 7 is kind of what this is about, is that if you command the enemy to leave you in Jesus' name, he has to. So if you're feeling an attack from the enemy, just command out loud that he leaves you alone. And he has to do it because God said so. So the next section is 
11 and 12, and it's talking about speaking evil against each other and criticizing and judging each other, that it's not our job. It's only our job to obey the law and not to judge anybody else. And my Bible had a few references. So one is Matthew 18, 15 through 20, which is something we talked about in a previous episode. I'm just going to read verse 15 to kind of jog your memory. So verse 15 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you have won that person back. So like we talked about in that episode, that it's not really our place to correct anybody that didn't sin against me. So the next one is John 8, 7. And that says, They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And that verse basically is like, you can't condemn others unless you yourself are perfect. And I'm not perfect, so I'm not going to be condemning others. So the last section in this chapter that I highlighted was verses 14 through 17. And they say, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And to me, this makes me think about making sure that I include room for God in my plans and that I'm not like, oh, I need to get married when I'm 26 and I need to have a kid by the time I'm 28 because that doesn't leave room for God because I don't really know when I'm going to meet my husband. I don't know when I'm going to have kids. I don't know when I'm going to get married. And allowing for that flexibility in my life plan is very important. And the last verse says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And if you hear something from God and you don't do it, so for example, Jonah, God called him to go to Nineveh and instead heads in the opposite direction. So Jonah knew what he was supposed to do. He heard God clearly that he was supposed to go to Nineveh and then he didn't do it. So that verse basically says that Jonah's action was a sin. So I know this episode is a little bit longer than my other ones, so I'm just going to wrap it up really quickly. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and rate, review, and subscribe. The more ratings and reviews, the more people can find our podcast. And thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on Friday.